Our scripture tonight is in 1 Peter chapter 3. And you remember last week we uh, used John chapter 9, which was the blind man and the disciples asking who sinned. And he was cast out and Jesus caught him before he hit the ground. We've been, we were talking about suffering. Now, we made it through the end of page three, but I want you to go back to page three because we need to, uh, we're not going to spend a lot of time there, but we need to get this in our heads as to what we're talking about, not just going over to page four. And those of you that weren't here last week or didn't get it or whatever, uh, when we're through here tonight, you can have mine and you can copy down uh, what we need to. But most of it is Scripture. All you have to do is look up the Scripture and you can fill in the blank. Now, on page 3, we're talking about suffering revealing the strength of our faith. And that's, that's the, the part of it there. But before we do that, I want you to look with me in, in our text in First Peter Three, because it contains something that you and I need to really use as a verse that challenges us on, on a daily basis. But verse 12 is where I want to begin. We're just going to read uh, four verses. But look at verse 12, 1 Peter 3. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. His ears are open unto their prayers. Now, does that make you feel better? Eyes of the Lord are over us, He hears our prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Right? And who is He that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? But and if you suffer for righteousness' sake, happy. Now, if you have a Bible like mine, happy are you is in italics, which means it's not there. So basically what Peter said, you are happy if you suffer for righteousness' sake. Be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. Now verse 15. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Sanctify <clears throat> means to set apart. So set, a, set aside, set apart the Lord God in your heart. He must be on the throne. If you're on the throne and he's not, something's wrong. He must be on the throne. Sanctify the Lord God in your heart. And ready to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. That's the verse I want you to look at. Set God apart. But this phrase, always be ready to give an answer to anybody that asks you the reason of your hope. Now, in the midst of suffering, it becomes a difficult task for us to be able to uh, say to someone, yes, there are struggles and there's suffering and there's hurt that goes on, but... God is still on His throne. God is still in control. God has everything in His hand. But it's hard for us to do. 
Now, God never told us to rejoice for everything that happens to us. But when we have struggles and trials and tribulation and suffering, then we are to rejoice in the fact that in the midst of that, God is with us. So we give an answer. I don't understand what's going on. I don't know why this is happening, but I do know this. God's right here with us. He's right here with me. Suffering, pain, all the things that all of us go through rob us many times of the joy that we have in our hearts, the joy that we should be having as we share uh, our relationship with Him. Let others see Jesus in you, that type thing. Now, I want you to think for just a moment. What is it? And this would have to be in you because you don't know me and I don't know you inside. What is it that hinders us when trials and troubles begin to come our way? What is it that keeps us from showing the joy that we have in Christ? And how do we respond when we're dealing with these things? Do we respond uh, with the smile, even though it's a fake smile? Do we, do we try to put on airs about who we are, make people think that we're something that we're not? Just so they, they would say, gee, uh, they're, they're great Christians. Gee, they do this and that. And inside we're just seething because things are happening and it's all God's fault. Right? Now you're going to go like this. But if you're not careful, you'll never say it, but you'll blame God. Now do like this. We do. See, we, we, we know it's, it's not God's fault. And yet, we also know that God will test us. But when, when we're dealing with things like this suffering, and, and we're going through these struggles that, that are in our life, if we, if we went back to the source of it, you would find out most of the time, and here's what I find out. I'll put it this way. I get back to the source of it, and it's my fault. And I, don't, I don't like that. That's why I try not to get too far back. It's my fault. I brought this on me. And so because of that, then it, I should have looked at myself and then confessed, and then worked that through with God. Instead, I said, it's not my fault. And as I went on, nothing's happening. And God, you're not working. You're not doing. I don't know why. See all the words that we use? And all of a sudden, we find ourselves blaming God without blaming God. And that's when we have to pull up and say, 
How can I give an answer to what God is doing, even in the midst of trials and suffering that come our way? Peter, give an answer to every man that for the reason of the hope that is in you. Be ready to do that. So, how do we deal with this suffering so that we can be ready? A, suffering reveals the strength of our faith. We talked about Abraham in offering Isaac because he feared God, knowing that God would give Isaac back to him. In Hebrews 11, it refers to Abraham by uh, reminding us that he said he will raise him up from the dead. And we've never, there was never anything about the resurrection as far as Abraham knew. But he knew that God was going to bring his son back to him. Talking about Abraham, then he says, it, uh, trials are faith revealing. If we want to give an answer, it has to be in faith. And you see that right in the middle of the page there, there's a paragraph uh, nothing written in it except the paragraph. And then at the, the last sentence is, trials are faith revealing. Now you need an asterisk right there. Because we need to understand that the trials that we go through will reveal just exactly how strong our faith really is. And where our faith is in relation to this. We talked about Hezekiah in Second Chronicles. Uh, that he might know all that was in his heart. God wanted to know everything about Hezekiah. And Hezekiah, you know, got into trouble because he showed uh, the foreigners uh, his vault, the gold and all that he had there. Uh, and that's when God said, no, you can't do that. But he wanted to know everything that was in Hezekiah's heart. And he wants to know everything that's in our heart. And I really think that it, it's for us to take time to begin to open ourselves to God every day. Now, I've, I've told you before, but I, I want to remind you, of course, Adrian Rogers. Adrian Rogers, is, most of you know who Adrian Rogers is. Uh, pastored in, in Tennessee, Memphis, Tennessee, really. Uh, the church was in Cordova, the new one they built. But he, he's been dead for 15 years now, the voice uh, and he had uh, a unique voice, but it's gone silent. But someone asked Adrian Rogers one time, said, how is it that you are able to face each day and do the things that you do and, and, and see the things that God wants for you? And he said, every morning I get up and I go to my chair and I sit down and I say, dear father, I am dead. I am dead to this world. I am dead to myself. I am dead to everything that's out there for me in this day. I am dead. But Christ lives in me. That's Galatians 2.20. And that's the verse that he's talking about. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I am dead, but Christ lives in me. Try that sometime. And here's, here's what I want you to do. 
you, you, you say, I, I, I'm dead. I'm dead. I can do nothing. But then say this. Christ in me. Christ in me. Now say that with me. Christ in me. Don't you want to say it again? There you go. Now you say that again, you'll say it again. You'll say it again, and all of a sudden it dawns on you. My Savior lives in me. Now, where do I have him? Is he open for all the world to see? Or do I have him off in some corner so that he doesn't bother me until I need him? Christ in me. If we want to, if we want to deal with the things that, that face us on a daily basis, it, we must understand that Christ lives in me. Okay? So our faith is to be in uh, the Father, and as we suffer, our faith strengthens through that. We mentioned uh, the second thing, suffering reveals what we really love. In Deuteronomy 13, uh, the Scripture says, uh, prove to you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all your soul. When we understand that Christ lives in us, then we can do that. Abraham's trial revealed that he loved God more than Isaac. And then 2 Corinthians 12, 7, talking about the Apostle Paul when he ascended up to the third heaven. Paul said, there was a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. In other words, uh, Paul was going to get on his high horse if something didn't happen. Now, page four. This is where we really begin here tonight, uh, looking at, at new territory here. At the top of the page, Paul had received an abundance of revelations from God and could have started thinking highly of himself, but to preserve Paul's humility, God struck him with a chronic problem. In this way, Paul realized that there was no strength in himself. He was dependent upon the grace of God. Now, you remember that thorn, we don't know what that was. What do you think it was? Think it was physical? Something physical in his body? One of, one of the things that, that comes out a lot about Paul is that his eyes were bad. And it, it goes back to uh, when he would talk about uh, that he would sign the letters that were sent out. And you see how big it was, Paul said. So they thought, he, they, they thought probably the where was an eyes problem. And one of the things they say, and, and uh, I've heard about the eye disease, but it was that it was that blinding light on Damascus that put him down. And that caused his vision to, to be impaired uh, because of that light. And I, you know, I, I've never been in the Shekinah glory of God, but I could just imagine uh, the glory of that light. And he didn't have spiritual eyes at that particular time. So it very well could be his eyesight. And, and he had to have people with him. He had to... Uh, dictate the letters that he wrote 
And so it, it's very possible. It's very possible that there was, uh, you know, I, I heard one that was very adamant about the fact that Paul was small and he was humpbacked. And it caused him deep pain walking, uh, trying to go from one place to the next. And he, and he wasn't very big. And, and so uh, that caused an even more difficult problem. We don't know. Because if we knew what Paul's thorn was, uh, every preacher on TV would have the same thorn. Just to be like Paul. So God, God didn't let us know what that thorn was. But the thing that we have to understand is this. God allowed that to happen to him to keep him off his high horse. Of being able to say, look what I did and look where I've been and, and look what I've seen. And so Paul, from, th from that point, he had something that caused him to suffer along with all the other things that were going on in his life. And that suffering uh, made him understand it's about the grace of God. And when suffering comes our way, we have to be able to look at it as by the grace of God, we'll get through this by God's grace. Okay, now 1 Peter 2.20. 1 Peter 2.20, the verse, uh, and, and we're right there at it. If you've got your Bible open, look at verse 20. What does God say is acceptable? Verse 20, for what glory is it if when, you be, when you're buffeted for your faults, you shall take it patiently? But if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable to God. When you suffer and you do it patiently, that's what's acceptable to God. Patiently waiting for God to bring you through. We get impatient, don't we? Especially when suffering comes. And the scripture reminds us that, that when this suffering does come, we have to understand that God knows all about it. You know, we just, we just come through, you know, it's been over a year, about 15 months now of all this mess that was going on. And, and we saw people get sick and sickness that we couldn't explain. And, and I, I look out over our congregation and, and through the city and, and there are some here that lost loved ones to this virus. We didn't understand it. We didn't know what was going on. We didn't know how to deal with it. I, you know, and we had people in the hospital, you know, and I, I tried not to talk about my brother all the time, but he was there and on my mind, and I didn't know. I didn't know what was going to happen. And by the way, he went to church this morning. See how God, good God is? But you patiently wait. Patiently wait. We don't know. But we let God accomplish His purpose. And that's, that's what Peter is trying to teach us here. Now, the next thing there is, is from Helen Keller. You all know who Helen Keller is. Helen Keller said, Face your deficiencies and acknowledge them, but do not let them master you. Let them teach you patience, sweetness, insight. Now, two of those things... Well, really one of those things 
uh, is part of the Baptist way, and that's insight. Patience and sweetness, Baptist lost it somewhere down the way. Because we are impatient. We want God to do it right now. We want it to happen patiently. Sweetness. Not if something's going on. We try. But those things mean to us that, that, that the things that happen, we need to wait on the Lord and let God accomplish His purpose. Trials and sufferings, number three says, develop in us enduring strength for greater usefulness. According to James 1, 2, and 4, the testing of our faith produces patience. Patience. God will test you. God never tempts you. God will allow testing in your life so that He can strengthen you. So that he can callous you. So that he can help you to grow patient and gain that insight and sweetness that, that we need to have in our own lives. Thomas Manton said, while all things are quiet and comfortable, we live by sense rather than faith. That's a good statement right there. We live by sense rather than faith. But the worth of a soldier is never known in times of peace. And that's true. You never know what a soldier will do until you're in the battle. We have to understand we're in, a, we're in a battle. Okay, The Christian life is constant spiritual conflict. It exercises the believer and his spiritual muscles become stronger and more useful. The process builds his spiritual endurance and makes him more useful for future ministry. Psalm 77, 1 and 2. What did the psalmist do when he faced trouble? I cried unto God with my voice. I sought the Lord. Now, if you want any help from God, you've got to let Him know. He doesn't just come down here and take everything away. We've got to admit the fact that, that we can't do this and, and, it's, and it's causing all of this. And God will work through that with us. He doesn't just automatically take it away. But He's going to help us to grow within that. Don't make the mistake of getting mad at God. He's helping you. He's not hurting you. Depend on Him. Now, 2 Corinthians 1.4, we talk about suffering. What does God do for us when we face the tribulations? He comforts us. We just studied this about two weeks ago. The comfort of God. God standing beside us, feeling His presence. In our tribulations, He will bring comfort to us. And in verse 4, He says He does this so that we might comfort others that are in trouble. Comfort is what God gives. Comfort is what we are to bring to those that are around us when they face these struggles and trials. Not to go ahead and just tell them what to do. You know, there's sometimes when things happen in our lives and, and we're struggling and, and things are going on and, uh, you know, somebody will march in and they just start quoting Scripture to you. And sometimes that's the last thing you want to hear. 
is just one verse after another. And yet, we don't bring any comfort when we do those things. And we've mentioned several times, one of the greatest ways to bring comfort to some is to sit there and not say a word. Just let them know that you're there and let them know of your presence. And let them know that God is there as well. And so we learn comfort by God's comfort in our life. When we suffer, we deepen our relationship with God. We've, we know how much He loves us. When suffering comes to us, we are enriched by the things of God. Through Christ's testings and suffering, the Scripture says in Hebrews 4, He is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. You see, that's the only way He can be our high priest. He suffered as we suffered. Do you know, do you realize that Jesus got hungry? Do you realize He got thirsty? Do you realize that out on those boats that probably there were times when he cut his hand, that he fell down, that he grew weary and tired traveling those roads, stumbling, just like we do. All of the things that he faced with the Pharisees, all, all of this uh, that, that went against him. And you say, well, but he was God and he was able to answer them. And God is with you and so can we answer. We're not Christ. We're not God. But Christ is in me. And he answers for us. He knows our infirmities. He knows our weaknesses, it says. And through that, we grow more and stronger in him. Jesus warned Peter, uh, that Satan wanted to try him in Luke 22. Basically what he said was, he said, uh, Peter, Satan wants to sift you like wheat. He just wants to, to take you and drain you out, cast you away with a chaff. But he says, when this happens, I want you to strengthen your brothers. Jesus knew what was coming. Peter didn't. But Peter was able to comfort his brothers and strengthen them when the Pentecost came and the Holy Spirit came down. Suffering, and we move forward. Suffering causes us to focus on eternity and the intangible values of life. Trials make us long for heaven. We focus on eternal things rather than the passing things of this earth. This earth teaches us that it groans and it grumbles because it's ready for that redemption to take place. The earth still grumbles and groans. And yet within you and I, we do the very same thing. But it makes us look towards heaven. And how many of us over the past year or more have said, Oh Lord, I wish you'd just take me to heaven. I'm tired of all of this mess. I'm tired of what's going on. Just take me to heaven. And he says, no. Nah. No. Nah. That's not up to you. It's up to God when that happens. But yet we begin to think about that. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul talks about uh, what, what takes place within us. 
And he talks about the thing that perishes. What perishes on us? The outward man. The outward man. The outward man perishes. But what is renewed in us? Inward man. We suffer on the outside. And we suffer on those things that, uh, that come against us, but God renews the inner man. And our afflictions, he says, last for a moment. It's just there and it's gone. Now, 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 8. I, I love chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians. And I'm ready to get there in, in our study. But Paul says... Uh, that we have bodies as earthly houses, this tabernacle, this body that we have. Though our body dies, we have a house in heaven, a house not made eternal in the heavens, made by God. And we desire to live there. We desire to be there, to receive that glorified body. This body groans and it's burdened and it's mortal. But one of these days, this flesh will be dropped and that's one thing I remind people that have, that have lost loved ones. Folks, this body, once this, the, the spirit, uh, the soul is gone to be with Jesus, this body is of no use. You can't go to heaven with it because it can't live eternally. It's not spiritual. So we send it to the dust or we burn it. Whatever it might be, I don't know. But we don't need it any longer. Because he's making for us a spiritual body that will be in the resurrection, that will reunite with that soul and spirit. And we will be who we are with that spiritual body in Christ. And Paul says in verse 8 of, of uh, chapter 5, we will be absent from the body and present with the Lord. And that doesn't take long. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Now let's talk about dealing with suffering. The, and the first statement there is something we need to keep in mind. It's not a question of if we suffer, but when. Job says man is born into trouble as the sparks fly upward. It's just going to happen. Okay? And then Jesus closing the Sermon on the Mount about the man uh, that built his house on sand and one that built his house on the rock. Okay? We need to understand that we are to live by the filling of the Spirit of God and submitting ourselves to God. And that's what that I'm dead means to us. When trials come, we need to be able to handle them. We exercise faith. It's all going to work. You know, there's times when we're doing things here uh, on a Sunday morning or whatever. And all of a sudden, uh, Andy and I realize that everything is just gone <laughs> that we had planned. And guess what? It always works out. Always does. And it happens to you too, don't it? Where you are. Everything that you've had planned, everything that was going, all of a sudden it just falls to pieces. What are you going to do? It'll be all right. It'll be fine. 
it will work. Or we just sit down and just fall to pieces. And that doesn't get anything done. And so he tells us, how do we deal with this? All right, A, know that God is compassionately aware of what's going on in your life. Matthew 10, 29, he says, Not even a sparrow falls to the ground. You know, when I was a kid, I had a BB gun. Uh, Mama bought me, and she said, You be very careful with that. And I said, Okay. And I dropped a lot of sparrows to the ground. And then after I got saved and I started reading the Bible, and I read this, and I thought, Uh Uh-oh. I wonder if God's going to hold me accountable for every sparrow I drop to the ground with my BB gun. I don't know. Because that's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about is this. He knows even when the sparrow falls to the ground. Then he even talks about numbering the hairs on our head. Which it takes him about 36 seconds and he's got all mine counted. Basically, what he's saying is this is how close God is to us. And this is how how much how well God knows us. He understands what's going on because he is he is right there with us and right there with the creation that he's made. So we respond to God in prayer. Philippians chapter four and verse six. And then on down through verse nine is a great thing for us to read when, when we come against struggles and, not, and find ourselves worrying. And, and Paul says, be careful for nothing. In other words, don't take it on yourself and try to make it uh, what you want it to be. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. When we learn to give thanks to God... In the midst of the suffering that comes, it's amazing how God begins to work and lifts that burden from us and takes the worry and the anxiety away from us. He doesn't want us to worry. And if we say, you know, I'm real worried about this, but I'm praying about it, no. You're either worrying or praying, one of the two. And we have to be careful. That we make sure that we are praying. Verse 7 in that chapter says uh, that God, uh, that the peace of God that comes to us passes all understanding. We may not be able to explain why things are better with us, but we do know that God's peace is present with us. And then in verse 11, we need to be confident of God's providence. In other words, Paul said he learned in whatsoever state I am to be content. Be content. It's all good. Now, Joseph, most of us know about Joseph. And remember, his brothers came to him. He had been sold into slavery. He'd been treated so so desperately. Then he says, but as for you, you thought evil against me. But God meant it unto good. Isn't it amazing how God works all of these years just to get those brothers to come back so that Joseph could do what he did? Folks, God's doing the very same thing in our life. 
Sometimes it, it just seems like it goes on and on and on. And all of a sudden, God takes control. But it takes us from here to here for Him to work within us so that we can be strengthened and do what He's asked us to do. We go back to John 9, 2. Master, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus gave the reason that the works of God should be made manifest in him. In other words, God was glorified through that and through all the mess that he went through. God's going to get the glory. So let's, let's understand one other thing. In Romans 8, 28, we, we love that verse. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to His purpose. But folks, I'm going to tell you something. God does not work for your glory. He works for His. And the first thing He's going to accomplish it through the suffering that we go through is He is going to be glorified and it will be for our good. But He gets the glory from it. Not us. He gets the glory. God had a purpose for this man that was blind. And this trial seemingly was beyond anything that he could go through, and yet God saw him through. Now, we just read 1 Peter 4.12, or last week, I think it was, because it talks about the fiery trial, which is to try you. Now, you see, if you, if you still have 1 Peter open... Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. It doesn't mean that, that uh, we reveal all the difficulty and the pain and the things that we go through. But it's the things that identify us with Christ. And Christ suffered for us. And the suffering that you and I go through has no comparison to what Jesus went through. Through all the things that, that he had to endure just for us. And he wants to give to us as you and I enjoy uh, the things of God. And we come through those things. And he tells us in verse 13, Peter does, rejoice, he says, in that you are partakers of Christ's suffering. Rejoice through all the pain that we endure for his sake and then verse 19 wherefore let them suffer according to the will of god commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator let them suffer according to the will of god commit the keeping of their souls to him commit it's a baking term it means to deposit for safekeeping and that's what we need to do with our faith we need to deposit into God and give over to his care now when Jesus was in Gethsemane as he come to the conclusion knowing he was about to be arrested he prayed he prayed he prayed and he said Lord not my will but thine be done when suffering comes to us we are to pray not my will but thine be done. Psalms 27, 14 says, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait on the Lord. Let him take control of it. Isaiah 40, 31 is a favor to a lot of us. 
They that wait on the Lord. In the midst of suffering, we need to wait and let God accomplish His purpose through us. Renew their strength. Mount up with the wings as eagles. Run and not be weary. Walk and not faint. Wait. Be patient. Don't worry. Trust Him. Lean upon Him. Yeah, we all go through these things. But we've got to make sure that He is the one that we lean on. Now, how can we help each other? Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10 are, are beautiful verses. They say, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. If they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falls, for he is not another to help him up. We need each other, folks. We need each other. We need to be there to help others get up. Get up. And face the things that are going on within our life. Bear with them. Help strengthen them in the burdens that they're going through. Paul Tournier was a, a great uh, preacher back in the day. And he said, in order to console, there is no need to say much. It's enough to listen, to understand, to love. And that's true. Now, Joe Belay, the man that uh, we mentioned in the beginning that wrote the poem and uh, that we talked about, said this, in talking about uh, his sons dying and, and the things that he went through. I was sitting torn by grief. Someone came and talked to me of God's dealings, of why it happened, of hope beyond the grave. He talked constantly. He said things I knew were true. I was moved except to, to wish he'd go away. He finally did. Another came and sat beside me. He just sat beside me for an hour or more, listened when I said something, answered briefly, prayed simply, and left. I was moved. I was comforted, and I hated to see him go. That's comfort that you and I need to bring. So, what you are to suffer is often more important than what you say. And how you sit and listen are a part of his life is often more important than the words that you speak. Suffering will come. But understand... God knows suffering comes. And when it comes, you and I just need to sit back and say, Lord, not your will, not my will, but yours be done. And let God take care of it. We've all suffered. And guess what? We're not through. <laughs> we got more to come. As long as we're walking on this earth, it's going to happen again. Take a deep breath, relax, and remember, Christ in me, he can handle it. So just let him have it. Be patient, keep serving, keep praying, keep loving, and watch God do his work. What a great joy. Let's pray and let's go home. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word, Lord, that helps us to understand 
We all face these trials and the sufferings of life. And Lord, we don't understand them. And we have to confess that to you. Father, there are things happening in our lives that go beyond anything that we can understand, anything that we can grasp. But Lord, you're good to us. And so, Father, day in and day out, we just stop to say, Christ is in me. You're working for my good, for me to bring glory to you. Lord, help me to endure. Keep me in your care. Guide me in your path. Father, as we deal with these things, I pray that you give us wisdom, discernment. Lord, increase our faith. As we seek to strengthen our faith through the trials that we go through. Father, we trust you, we believe you, and we love you. Father, I thank you for these who have been here tonight. And Lord, who have helped us to understand what this is all about. So Father, I pray that you take us now, that you take us home. Lord, that you stir our hearts to be used this week to bring honor and glory to you in all that we've done. Bless Central Baptist Church that we will comfort each other. Father, now keep us close to you. And Lord, we just thank you that you are sovereign God. Dismiss us now. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Good night, folks. Thank you.